Hello, welcome to The Intersection. My name is Mark Riley, thanks for joining us. In this episode, new charges against Donald Trump. Will wonders never cease? At the same time, he threatens Republicans who failed to do his bidding. Vladimir Putin cozies up to Africa. Mitch McConnell freezes during a news conference. Will Joe Biden end up being collateral damage? And the truth about wellness, or at least some wellness. Time to get started. Are federal prosecutors piling on Donald Trump? New charges last week came on top of the indictment charging him with mishandling classified information. The prosecutors presented evidence that he told his property manager at Mar-a-Lago to delete security camera footage. Now, I don't know what that footage contained, but apparently the property manager was told, get rid of it. Make no mistake, this is some serious stuff. Remember, Trump stands charged with violating the Espionage Act. Now, even his property manager is facing charges. It would take me a long time, a lot longer than this podcast would last, to figure out how many of Trump's minions slash associates are facing criminal charges. But suffice to say, being around this man isn't always the smartest career move one could make. Just ask Rudy Giuliani, for example. And all the while, the number of people backing him to become president continues to grow. Now, it seems as if it is continuing to grow if you believe the polls. But on the other hand, you know, he's on the campaign trail doing rallies here, rallies there, rallies, all of these different rallies to essentially pump the same message that Trump and only Trump can fix America and can run America. But it's interesting, there was one small item about the fact that his aides tried to cover the fact that there was a large number of empty seats in one of his rallies, I believe it was in Erie, Pennsylvania. So maybe he's not quite as popular, certainly as he thinks he is, or perhaps not as much as the media thinks he is. But those numbers continue to grow if you believe Donald Trump. This, by the way, is separate and apart from the Jack Smith probe that sent Trump a target letter saying he might face charges connected to his effort to overturn the last election. What's amazing about all this is that none of it, not one bit of it, stops him from running for president this time around. And even more amazing is the fact that he continues to peddle lies about the election from three years ago. He continues to say he was screwed, it didn't turn out the way it was supposed to. There was fraud. All of this stuff, he says, and offers absolutely no evidence, no proof. But with his supporters, he doesn't need any. This is very strange stuff, folks. He doesn't need to prove any of this stuff. It just happens because Trump says it happened. Now, the server deletions that he's accused of doing here, or that he had someone do here, also might ring a bell because Trump pilloried Hillary Clinton for exactly the same thing. That, of course, has never stopped this man from blatant, hypocritical nonsense. 
The sheer number of investigations and criminal charges would make most people take an introspective look at their own lives. He believes, on the other hand, that he's led an exemplary life. And as we've said before, never, ever, ever admits he's wrong about anything, no matter what. That might be a bit harder to do with all these charges looming. After all, he doubles down in part because that's what his supporters want him to do. That's part of the reason why he seems to have buried his closest rival, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, at least again, as far as the polls are concerned. And any Republican hopeful, presidential hopeful that is, who says a negative word about him in a public forum all but gets booed off the stage. And speaking of stages and doubling down, Trump, again, as we mentioned, is on the campaign trail. And among the other bombast that he comes across with is now threatening Republicans who hesitate to investigate the sitting president, Joe Biden, and his family. It's called retribution, pure and simple. It's also called keeping any Republican who might stray off the farm in line. This is what he said, direct quotes, not from me, it's from Donald Trump. Any Republican that doesn't act on Democratic fraud should be immediately primaried, which is Trump's way of saying, somebody should run, I'll endorse them, and they'll beat whoever it is that's an incumbent that doesn't tow my line. This is, again, not me. He thundered this foolishness. His audiences applaud and find just about any rationale imaginable to absolve him of any culpability. I mean, any culpability. You know, E. Jean Carroll won $5 million off this guy, and his supporters say the same thing he does. Well, she's not my type. And his supporters say, she's not his type. It is amazing to see the cult of personality that has developed around this man. And so far, all of this bombast and foolishness is working. He's also hedging his bets on debating any of his rivals for the GOP, GOP, that is, nomination. He does so even though it's due to take place, the first one, August 23rd on Fox News. That is interesting in and of itself. To Trump, of late, Fox News might as well be MSNBC. He's still smarting from the network calling Arizona for Biden in the last election. If anything can stop the former guy, it may be that insatiable lust for revenge against those he feels have wronged him. It could be, could be his undoing. Up next, Russian President Putin tries to firm up support among 17 African leaders. He's promised to provide food aid to some countries despite the collapse of the Black Sea Grain Initiative. Will African leaders take him at his word? This is The Intersection. Wherever you are, stay tuned to The Intersection with Mark Riley. Welcome back to The Intersection. Russian President Vladimir Putin has been making nice with the leaders of African nations of late He's following the lead of Chinese Chairman Xi Jinping. In Putin's case, 
The summit, or his summit, that is, of African leaders last week was about assurances and to some degree, fence mending. A number of African countries like Burkina Faso, Central African Republic, and Eritrea have been hurt by the collapse of the Black Sea Grain Initiative. That program allowed grain to be shipped despite the Russian war with Ukraine. Putin assured the 17 leaders assembled in St. Petersburg that he would take care of their food needs. Of course, there was the political argument that it was the West, not Russia, that was to blame for the fall of the initiative. This is typical political back and forth, just like the West not believing Putin's claim that he's ready to negotiate with Ukraine. Now, there's good reason not to believe that, given the positions taken by the two combatants in that situation. But African leaders are sitting back saying to themselves, why do we have to suffer for a war that is taking place miles from our borders, miles from our land? They are caught in the middle, as usual. Food insecure African nations that will align themselves with Moscow if it means their people will be fed. Putin told the heads of state he delivered 25 to 50,000 pounds, free grain each, that is, to six nations in the next three to four months. Of the six, only one, Somalia, voted against Russia in supporting a UN resolution calling for an end to the Ukraine war. This situation with the West, Russia, and China looking to curry favor with the continent should be to the benefit of the entire continent of Africa. Why do I feel that won't actually be the case? Promises of food and even debt reduction, which is also on the table here. Putin promised debt reduction to African nations. They're lovely. All of this stuff is lovely. And it's important because you want to feed people. But let's see if those promises are concrete or not. We should understand this. The words imperialism and neocolonialism still have currency on the African continent. And Vladimir Putin knows this. So when he gets a group of African leaders together, what does he do? He sprinkles the words imperialism and neocolonialism in his speeches, and I'm sure in his private meetings, all of which is to bring Russia support at the same time trying, sometimes successfully, sometimes not so much, to demonize the West and specifically the United States of America. When Putin frames Africa's relationship with the West in terms of neocolonialism, in terms of imperialism, especially in Europe, it does resonate. Africa does listen. On the other hand, the leaders at the summit were more vocal than usual in calling for an end to the war, even those who would ordinarily align themselves with Russia. They're saying, listen, folks, this war has got to end. Now, that doesn't mean it's going to. Putin has certain priorities in mind as regards Ukraine have nothing to do with Africa. But he also does not want to alienate or aggravate his African friends by making, uh, in the case of the grain initiative, 
a decision that's going to hurt them. And he knows, and they know, it's going to hurt them. Let's see if both Russia and the continent can forge a fruitful relationship, fruitful for both sides. By now, most people have heard about the Mitch McConnell freeze at a news conference a week or so ago. Suffice to say, the man looked every bit of his 81 years. Almost immediately, there was speculation about a palace revolt that would put a younger person in the role of Senate Minority Leader. McConnell, of course, would hear none of it, but the damage was done. People began the debate about what age elected officials should call it quits. Senator Dianne Feinstein of California also had a recent senior moment. She is 90, but she's decided not to run for re-election next year. And of course, looming in the background of all this, is the president, Joe Biden. It brings up the question, how old is too old to serve as an elected official? In McConnell's case, there's his record of three recent falls, which some might argue is the reason for his having to be led away from that news conference with a face that could only be described as frozen. There's already a scramble to see who will be the top Republican in the Senate should McConnell be either forced into or voluntarily decides to retire. Being of a certain age makes me sensitive to the overall issue of how old is too old. When it comes to elected officials, I like to think that the electorate should be the ultimate arbiter. I mean, isn't that what democracy is all about? You go to the polls and if you think somebody's too old, vote for the younger guy. I mean, the younger guy may not be any good, but what the heck, if age is your sole determining factor, then go vote for somebody younger. But don't cast out an older person just because they're old if the electorate says they're not too old. All that having been said, I have to admit, I thought Joe Biden should have decided to be a one-term president. This latest incident with McConnell will be fodder for Biden haters in the GOP. I, for one, don't think he's got anything to apologize for in terms of his record. It's not, the, it's not his record. The record is not his problem. The problem is people don't seem to like him much. The economy is looking up. Border crossings are down, even in the wake of an unpopular decision. And he could certainly go out as a winner, no matter what his approval ratings say. Has he earned a shot at a second term? Certainly. And if there's any justice in the world, and Donald Trump is his opponent, he could win by a larger margin than in 2020. And yet, even though politics is an older person's game, and I, I have to remind people, a lot of people in politics are quite simply old. And I say that because, you know, when I was young, there was that uh, song, My Generation, which I think was done by The Who. And there is a line in there, hope I die before I get old. Now, when you're young, that's like a laugh line. No big thing. When you're older, it takes on an entirely different meaning. But even though politics is an older person's game, I would like to see younger people move into positions of leadership and power. And there are a lot of really good people 
Okay, most of them happen to be Democrats, but really good people. Katie Porter on the West Coast, Cory Booker in New Jersey, Hakeem Jeffries from Brooklyn. These are people who are ready to lead and ought to be given the opportunity. Hakeem is now the minority leader, so maybe he's closest because if the Democrats flip the House, he'll be the speaker, which would be extraordinary. Cory Booker ought to be moving into a position of more power than he now has, and he has a great deal. There are those who argue that Biden ought to embrace rather than downplay his age. Now, there are people, and I'm talking about people in Biden's inner circle, who actually believe that. This is even in the face of Republican attacks on his age. Polling on the issue says, even beyond the presidency, Democratic voters are concerned about age. The dividing line is how old is old. An age cap of 70 for members of Congress means that fully 30% of those now in office would be ineligible. Another issue is the staffs Congress and the president employ. Would you want to be the staffer who tells Joe Biden or Mitch McConnell or any of the other elder members of Congress that it's time to pack it in? I wouldn't. Our final story is about wellness. Who doesn't want to be well? Yet studies show there's wellness and there's wellness. This is The Intersection. You're listening to Mark Riley. It's the only podcast where the world makes sense. Welcome back to The Intersection. Wellness is one of those words no one can disagree with. After all, who doesn't want to be well? However, a recent New York Times article gave me pause to wonder about some of the products on store shelves that promote wellness or claim to be about wellness. In a relatively unregulated marketplace, almost anything can be marketed to promote wellness. What, for example, is the difference between prebiotic and probiotic? You think most people know? How often have you seen the phrase gut health and do you really know what it means? Does the beauty product you buy really promote skin detoxing? As the Times article says, none of this is new. Various products have promoted health and wellness since way, way back in the day. Trouble these days is consumers are being confused by products that claim to do certain things, yet there's no really way, there's really no way to prove they do certain things. A fair number of of these wellness products are promoted by, quote, influencers, end quote. Part of the reason why I detest the term and I detest the fact that it has come into prominence in America. Now, a lot of this obviously is on social media. In some cases, wellness is promoted through seminars, webinars, and the like. When they end, there's usually a pitch for something, be it a product or a service, and of course, those things, even if the webinar is free, even if the seminar is free, what they are pushing is not. So how does a consumer sift through all the claims of health and wellness? I would guess reading the labels and ingredients carefully would be a good place to start. If an influencer is promoting a product as healthy or promoting wellness, check to see if you can, check to see if you can see or find out 
whether that person is being paid or even owns part or all of the product. Trust me, it happens. Some experts, however, warn that even labels and ingredients doesn't always or don't always tell the whole story. Sometimes you just have to trust yourself to know whether certain products work well on you. All the catchphrases in the world can't take the place of your own mind. Believe that. Thanks so much for listening to The Intersection. The executive producer is Kim Jack Riley, and music is by Tevin Thomas. Until next time, please be well.